welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with uh, Tom Dorian. Dead silence. <laughs> He's not here. He's not here. <laughs> Sam Rodriguez is here. Though. I am. <laughs> well, so uh, we we miss uh, our buddy Tom uh, and wish him well, and and he'll be back soon, I'm sure. But you know, it's it's a great mystery as to where he is <laughs> right now at this moment. So uh, we'll just carry on without him. Uh, and uh, and so, but we got a great show because we're in the middle of something really cool here. Yes, yes. So today we're going to continue our discussion of the joyful mysteries here in the month of October, the month of uh, Mary. The yeah. month of the rosary, specifically, and uh, last week we gave a discussion of the rosary and and it said and its history and we prayed. Uh, we discussed why we pray the mysteries, why we pray for specific fruits, uh, when we pray for the rosary, and uh, we said last week that praying for specific fruit. That when we're meditating on a mystery, it can be a great way to help us apply a mystery to ourselves and to our everyday lives and our everyday struggle struggles, and so. Um, we're going to explore this today as we delve into the second joyful mystery, the visitation. And so we're actually going to explore uh, multiple fruits, like one at a time, because I think that's an important point. We, we you know, to, that you don't, it's not like you can only uh, meditate upon the mysteries in, in, in search of a single fruit. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we don't want to we don't want to limit ourselves in that way, right? We want to open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, especially when you meditate. Yeah, you're supposed to be sort of like uh, inviting in uh, a supernatural spiritual experience, right? I mean, yeah. And you don't want to limit that and say like, "Lord, I'll only allow you one fruit." <laughs> you have you have one opportunity. <laughs> but it's it, it, so it, there are certain fruits that are traditionally associated yeah. with each mystery, but. It isn't the case that there's only one fruit um, that you can traditionally, uh, uh, you know, focus upon. We are gonna. What we're gonna do is we're gonna do one fruit at a time, and we're gonna focus upon the fruit uh, as we go through the scripture that's associated with that mystery. And we're gonna ask ourselves, you know, as we're gonna read the scripture, we're gonna ask ourselves to uh, reflect upon as we listen to the scripture. You know, what is what is uh, this mystery teach us about? Um, you know this fruit, and that's example. what's supposed to happen in meditation, right? right? Exactly. We're, we're, when we meditate, we're not. This is not a one-way street. Like we're we're sending something out or up. We're receiving, exactly. And so, uh, and then, and also, and it, it's important to then apply that to ourselves, right? So, like, what does this mystery teach us about this fruit? And then, once we've received that, how can we apply that to our own lives? And how can we challenge ourselves to grow? So, you know, the second joyful mystery is the visitation. And, uh, you know, we have the opportunity to pray uh, for a couple of things. We're going to begin with love of neighbor. So Deacon Jeff uh, is going to read our scripture here. Yeah, let's look at it. So it's, uh, we look at, uh, it's in the Gospel of Luke, of course, um, the first chapter. We're going to read verses 39 through 45. For, and just remember, guys, just, let's just uh, take a pause and listen to the scripture and let's ask ourselves... Um, let's challenge ourselves to listen to our hearts what this is teaching us about love of neighbor and and also let's contextualize this this immediately follows the Annunciation so these are the events these are the the lines of scripture that immediately follow Mary giving her yes her fiat to receiving Jesus in her womb 
During those days, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. Okay, so first... The, 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 the phrase that sticks out to me when I study that scripture passage is in haste. You know, Mary received Jesus into her womb and she went in haste to place herself at the service of her cousin Elizabeth just to do humble work, helping Elizabeth, who was six months preg pregnant at the time, around the house. And so that's, for me... That phrase, in haste. I don't believe I've ever stopped and thought about that. I'm going to be honest with you. I've okay. heard this so many times. <laughs> but, but you know, you skip things. You, do, you just like, and you, you stop. So in haste, you could spend the entire, we could talk the whole show about that. <laughs> That's true. Why was she, in, was she afraid of robbers? <laughs> I mean, does she have to be there at a certain time? You know, and it's like, what do you mean in haste? But I think we're going to see this fruit come to life because of those two words in haste well i think it's a fitting meditation it's fitting for a meditation on love of neighbor to come immediately after you know last week when we reflected on the annunciation we reflected upon humility humility right, right. giving yourself over and not being the, the the most important person on the planet exactly <laughs> so then we shift right now to the visitation and meditating upon love and neighbor uh, love of neighbor and so like the quote that comes to mind is, is saint paul in philippians he, he says that we are to humbly regard others as more important than ourselves so if we, if we place this within the context of last week's discussion, we recall the humility of Mary's fiat giving her yes to God, not for her own self-aggrandizement, but for God and, and for others. You know, did she see herself as being too good to place herself at the service of others? Did she see herself as being too good for ordinary labor? You know, this is a woman who was selected, first of all, for the Immaculate Conception. She was right. greeted, you who are who are always have been, always will be fully graced, overflowing right. with grace before she even gives her fiat, right? Um, and she's then also, you know, the plan of God's salvation is, is announced. She's to receive God eternal in her womb. And yet the fruit of her humility there is love. And literally the fruit of her humility is Jesus being conceived in her womb. Yes. Right? And so Jesus is love. God is love. So Mary receives Jesus and then in haste, she places herself in humble, ordinary service. So I think that that in itself is a pretty profound uh, <laughs> you know, representation. So, so in this situation, I think in haste to me, it starts to, it reminds me of that uh, the Disney animated uh, Mulan movie. And there's a song <laughs> called Let's Get Down to Business. Yeah. I mean, essentially, that's what Mary is doing here, right? That she's saying, she's basically cleared everything else, every other obstacle out of the way. And, and, her, and she's laser focused. Yes. In humility, she's laser focused on what this love in her womb now calls her to do. Right. Right. It's essentially Jesus in her womb is essentially already, I want to say out of the womb, right? The love is out of the womb. Well, it's a nine month Eucharist, right? <laughs> yes. It's, and, 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 you know, a phrase that comes to mind is we love because God loved us first, right? We are, we love because God loves us first. And so, you know, Jesus has poured himself into Mary's womb, and now that love is being poured out. 
yes. onto Elizabeth. Right? And I tell people all the time that love is not something that we can contain within ourselves. Yeah. Right. So Mary had love with a capital L in her. Right. Right. But it's not something you contain. It essentially explodes forth. It goes out every uh, out your fingertips and out every uh, strand of hair on your head. Right. Outward. Right. Love goes outward. It's it's a, it, for you know one thing that God has shown me over time is if we start thinking of ourselves as the endpoint of God's love. God right. gave this to me and it ends with me. No. 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 And that's not humility. No. That's not humility. <laughs> I mean, love. It's it's a, God. I feel the the order of grace. It's like a circuit, and when we start thinking of ourselves as an as the end point of God's love, we are short circuiting short circuiting the order of grace. But Mary is showing us what to do. You receive that love, and you let yes. that love go, flow through you. And by the way, you also see love of neighbor from Elizabeth, right? Because did Elizabeth say? Took you long enough. About darn time. <laughs> about, I'm about six months pregnant. You know, get to work. I am huffing and puffing around my house. <laughs> because I'm sure, by the way, like doing work 2,000 years ago, like it's already hard right now with all of the appliances and the and the conveniences that we have. Right. I imagine 2,000 years ago, you know, a little she's more difficult. A little more difficult, right? Yeah, and exactly. she still had responsibilities around the household. Right, but there's no self entitlement from Elizabeth. In fact, she recognized by the eyes of faith. That this was not just her little cousin, Mary. This was the mother of our Lord. So she says, who am I that the mother of our Lord should come to me? So there's a love here that's born of a mutual receptivity of personhood. And that recognition of personhood, by the way, is also extended to the unborn with the unborn John the Baptist leaping in his mother's womb, just as David leapt in the presence of the Ark of the Covenant. So there's so many little things to unpack here. We don't have time <laughs> to do it. But, but, uh, but honestly, uh, one of the beautiful things about this is you, you, you recognize and you mentioned, you're, you rightly mentioned Elizabeth and, and how she sort of returns the love of neighbor favor, right? She's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She, so it's, it's almost like. Um, this this love of Jesus that's that's essentially born through uh, the love that Mary then carries with her to Elizabeth. It, it's it's the good kind of viral. Oh yeah, right? yeah it, exactly. it changes everything in the room. So lo- love of neighbor again is not always just. It's not a one way street. It's going to end up causing a, a conversation of love between people. That's why you can take something like that, something like love uh, of neighbor into a room of hostility Yes, and, and transform it. The Lord transforms it in that setting. Well, and, and here we can challenge ourselves. You know, first of all, in haste, are we in haste to place ourselves at the service of others? You know, are we in haste to pursue virtue, or are we saying, "Yeah, there's still time. I can put that off." You know? Yeah. Do we do we do we see that as a like? Does, are all the obstacles and other uh, distractions out of the way? Can we be in haste towards a laser focused goal? I right? I personally can say I definitely have have put on the back burner things that I need to do for love of God, for love of others, for good of myself, for pursuit of virtue. I have told myself the lie that there's still time. You know, yeah. and and and. In haste, that's an important example that Mary gives us here. Then another, are we humbly regarding others as more important than ourselves? Uh, or do we ever see ourselves as too good for menial labor, for, for ordinary labor, ordinary tasks? Do, do we ever see ourselves as too good to concern ourselves <clears throat> with the needs of, of, of other people? So, I, you know, I will say this. When, when you hear this, I think everyone in there in, in who's listening right now would say, like, no, I never think that. But I think sometimes if we if we really discern, if we stop and meditate and think and we get very introspective, I think we'll find examples of times where 
it seems like we acted like we were too good. Even right. though I don't think anybody listening would say, like, oh, no, no, I'm too good for that. Right, right. But we sometimes make excuses for ourselves where, and, and, and at the time, we buy our excuse. Right, right? exactly, exactly. But, but the, so, so when you ask it like that, um, are, do we ever see ourselves as too good? I don't think we ever see ourselves as too good. But I think <laughs> we see the negative fruits that we create yes. when we don't do what we're called to do. Yeah, have we made excuses for reasons uh, that, that might not be... Uh, of God, yes. Uh, excuses uh, that uh, have the effect of making it where we don't have to uh, give the focus that God might be calling us to give to the to the needs of others. And, and also, do we feel self entitled to getting help? Right, because going to Elizabeth's example, you know, uh, if somebody is giving us help, do we sometimes hit them over the head with it and be like, "It's about time"? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and are we recognizing and honoring the personhood of others, and, and and also are we recognizing and honoring the personhood of the unborn? Yeah, that's beautiful, and we didn't even take a lot of time to unpack that, but that's it's a very it's a very beautiful sentiment to understand that John the Baptist had something to say about all this too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so let's let's we probably should jump into the next fr- uh, next fruit. Which is going to be faith. And so uh, we're, Deacon Jeff's going to reread this passage and from the top, however, this time, let's ask ourselves what this passage can teach us about faith. During those days, Mary set out and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. All right. So in unpacking this, the first thing that comes to mind is, is to say this. Faith is a way of seeing and a way of doing. And both are represented here. So Mary has received Jesus within her, and she is now stepping out in faith to follow the promptings of Jesus within her, right? And she so, doesn't know what she's going to encounter. Right, exactly. Right, it, she's just sort of, she's, she's compelled in a way. Right. Uh, but she gives herself over. It's like, Lord, whatever happens, happens, and, and I trust you. And Elizabeth sees Mary through the eyes of faith as well yeah and, and and elizabeth was given the faith to know who mary was slash is uh mary she, she she greets mary as the mother of my lord uh which had not yet been proclaimed right uh, i know and that's that's another neat thing that uh, you see and you you think how could she have known that well right. only through the only through the fruit of faith right only through the, that that beautiful virtue of faith well and who else had the eyes of faith is the infant in her womb who leapt for joy yes so so and this this teaches us that faith is a free gift made available to the human person and here we see the tiny human person of John the Baptist is blessed to proclaim the good news while still in his mother's womb uh, and then Elizabeth specifically honors Mary's faith here blessed are you who believed what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And so to live out our faith is to live a mystery, the mystery of, of God at work within our, our lives. And the words of Elizabeth, think about this, the words of Elizabeth are words that we repeat every time we pray a Hail Mary. Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth had no way of knowing that her words would be immortalized in this way. And yet here they are. And she was living out her faith 
She made herself available to move, act, and speak in mystery. And look how God has used her and used this moment to help all of us grow as we repeat her words and yeah. praying the rosary to, so that we can grow in faith and grow in our devotion to our Blessed Mother. You know, Mary, we, we have to believe that Mary wasn't wearing uh, you know, a maternity t-shirt that, that said, I'm carrying the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in my womb <laughs> right. who will come to, who has come to save the world. Right. So, so Elizabeth is essentially just reacting in faith. I mean, yes. she's experiencing faith and then she's reacting to it. And she's helping our, our faith come alive just by her own witness. Right. And that's why, you know, that's why these words are in scriptures. Yes. That's why it's part of God's revelation so that we also uh, so there can be that 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 good kind of viral, and so that we also uh, are exposed to this faith, and we respond in faith in the same way. Well, and we can ask ourselves now. We can challenge ourselves to grow from this. You know, we can ask: Am I allowing myself to see myself and others through the eyes of faith? Am I allowing myself to step out in faith? Am I allowing myself? to be a living mystery, to allow God to live and move and speak through me? Am I allowing others to be a living mystery? To, the, am I allowing the possibility that, that God may be moving uh, and, 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 and living and speaking through others in mystery? Am, am I even acknowledging this as a possibility that God desires this? Uh, because sometimes we can just kind of put life in a box, put, put people in a box, but God moves in mystery. And if we're going to live a life of faith, we have to step out into the unknown and we need to be able to be willing to participate in the unknown and also recognize that God can move in that mystery all around us through the people around us. And, uh, if you know, the spice of the spiritual life is allowing God to come alive within us and to, and to pray to have eyes to see what God's doing around us. You know, there's a there's an interesting sort of balance that has to go on here where I know that we're it makes prudent uh, sense that we we plan for retirement. Sure. That we, we make plans. Uh, you know, even Jesus talks about. Uh, you know what a military leader doesn't plan ahead you know and yeah. look at my number of troops their number of troops and maybe we need to go and negotiate for peace or something you know or, or I don't want to start to building a, a tower without counting the cost first right, right? right so there's there's a certain amount of planning but I but I think our challenge is that we we may plan too much that we yeah. don't leave room for God that we don't because there is mystery, right, to, to 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 the reality of God and and how He lives and works and moves in our life. And if we we essentially stifle that movement when right. we build little walls and, as you said, box, yeah. you know, we put things in boxes and say, well, it's safe and controllable by me yes. when it's in this box. And that's where this thing, this notion of stepping stepping out in faith, is probably the hardest challenge that most people, I think, encounters. Because for me, it's always been that way. But here in the, as we meditate on the mystery, we see the beauty that is made possible, the truth, the beauty, and the goodness of it. And so if we want to live our life in accordance with that truth, with that beauty, and with that goodness, sometimes we just have to let go and let God. And we, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and stop and think, we could have never planned uh, a sunset. Right. Uh, you know, there's just things we can't plan and right. make happen. But when we respond to them in faith, amazing things happen. Well, and, and, you know, to close this out, there's one last fruit I think that we should do, and that's spiritual detachment, uh, which some people are going to be like, what? Spiritual detachment? That sounds strange as a uh, mystery here, but or as a, as a fruit here for this mystery. But um, there's another section of scripture that we can read for this, and that's the Magnificat. Yeah, some people... Uh, 
tell us that like the Magnificat's really part of the visitation. Right. I mean, she sings her canticle uh, in response to Mary sings her canticle in response to you know her encounter with Elizabeth and the unborn Saint John the Baptist. Right. So it's it's part and parcel to the visitation. Exactly. We don't essentially read about it when we're doing the rosary. Right. You know. Well, and so you, some people might say, well, why spiritual detachment for that? Well, St. John of the Cross gives a brief discussion of the Magnificat in the Ascent of Mount Carmel, and he invites us to think of the Magnificat as a meditation on uh, spiritual detachment. And specifically, he zeroes in on the line, uh, he has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. And so for St. John of the Cross, the throne is our heart. The rulers... Uh, of, of our heart are the unchecked desires, the unchecked, the attachments that we have. And the lowly is our Lord Jesus, who's desiring to be invited by us to take his throne within our hearts. So so here we're going to read the Magnificat, or Deacon Jeff is going to read the Magnificat, and we're going to invite everyone to, to, to think about this as a meditation uh, on spiritual detachment and, and pray for the fruit of spiritual so detachment. So again, this is the canticle of Mary that starts yes. at uh, line 46 uh, in Luke's Gospel. And Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on will all ages call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry he has filled with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise to our fathers, to Abram and to his descendants forever. Okay, so again, for St. John on the Cross, the throne is our hearts. The rulers of those thrones are the unchecked desires and attachments. And the lowly one is our Lord Jesus, who desires to be invited by us to take his throne within our heart. So according to some people might not know what an attachment is, right? Um, for St. John of the Cross, uh, an attachment is anything that we think that we can't live without, including our own lives. <laughs> right. And, and even if you didn't decide, like, I can't live without it, because, you know, if you stop and think about it, when people have addictions and they have problems like that, they get they, those attachments then become a lifeline for them and their perspective. Oh, sure. Right. And, and so they'll say, like, you know, and but they'll, they'll lie to themselves and say, I can live without this. Right. But again, if we look at the fruits, if we discern or we're introspective about our life, we start to realize that, like, I really couldn't live my life without my big screen TV. Right. You right. Know, or what, my surround sound or whatever. I, it's like you. you those attachments then uh, are things, and St. John of the Cross, is he's being more honest yeah. than we sometimes allow ourselves to be. Well, and the enemy wants to get us attached to early th earthly things, right? Like, he wants to distract us from God. And all the enemy has to do is to put glitter on one earthly thing to confuse us into thinking that we, don't, we can't live without it. Right. And then that thing suddenly becomes an idol. You've got a little glitter on your face there. I just <laughs> want to point that out. Don't let people see it. I don't want them to treat my face as an idol. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no worries. No worries. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so spiritual detachment, though, is it's about freedom from idols, right? So when it says he has shown might with his arm, he's dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. You know, similarly, the arrogant of mind and heart can be the enemies of God trying to get us attached to idols. And so God will use his power to disperse those enemies if we let him. But first, we have to control our desires. Our desires and attachments cannot be our rulers. Our desires and attachments must be cast down from their thrones. The, lo the lowly Jesus 
awaits our invitation to rule over us. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has turned away empty. So if we fill up on the things of earth, we won't have room for God. But if we empty ourselves of the things of the earth, if we willingly allow ourselves to be hungry, rather than to just consume, 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 if we give our hungers to God, then God will fill us with good things. And he will fill us with the things to help us grow in, in relationship with him and grow in our salvation. So the challenges here are kind of obvious, right? We should ask ourselves here, what are, what are my attachments? You know, am, am I allowing my desires to control we, me? Let's stop. We have, to, we, we, we have to be honest with ourselves. What oh, yeah. are our attachments? You, you, if you look at your life, you're suddenly going to realize there's a pattern. You know, it's, it's always scary when you pick up your iPhone and you, oh, you get in the car yeah. and it tells you. Uh, you're 17 minutes from the place you go every stinking day. Yeah, you yeah. Know, or the what? And I'm thinking, like, how does it know that I'm going to the bowling alley? Right, you know? right. Well, because every Monday you go to the bowling alley, yes. and you start to realize in your life there are things that become patterns. Yes. And you and and I'm not saying that going to the bowling alley is an attachment, but you will start to recognize in your life there are things that you do so regularly that you've grown so accustomed to them that you start to think. I need that. Well, the, the things of the world are good, but if we let the if we let the enemy tell us lies to confuse us about what really matters and to the level of importance and value that those things have, and so th- that's how uh, you know your desires, right, can start to control you. Yes, exactly. And and so and we, another question we could ask ourselves: Do we recognize the lowliness of Jesus? Do we recognize the fact that you know he's not going to just force his way into our life? We have to ask ourselves. Have I crowded him out of his rightful place in the throne of my heart? Am I willing to starve myself of the things of the world so that I can be hungry for God and desire to welcome him fully into his rightful place within my life and heart? It reminds me uh, the times we've talked about uh, Eucharist and we've talked about uh, the feeding, uh, uh, the the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 and how people ate you know the bread that day yeah and they were satiated yes yes right? perhaps for the first time in their lives right they were filled and that was only possible through god yes right and so if we if we can if we can detach ourselves from all these these worldly distractions yes and 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 be hungry for god yes and then allow him to fill us we'll be satiated amen that's a that's a that's a it's a challenge. It's not easy. But again, who who would have thunk that praying the rosary could lead to all of this deep discussion? We have so much more to do. Yes. Right as we continue through the mysteries, the the, the especially the joyful mysteries here. So I, I, I want you to stay with us and and look for this as a series. Uh, and and I think it will help enliven your experience in the rosary, so that we can avoid the machine gun rosary, right? right. That Father Blunt talks about, so that we can we can really throw ourselves into this and allow. Mary to speak to us about her son Jesus. Let's pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God, pray pray for for us sinners, sinners, now and in the the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.